Welcome back for another episode of Oh God It Hurts. Oh God It Hurts 2024. So this episode may actually sound different to you, and there's a very specific reason for that. Normally, uh, my co-host and good friend, uh, Game Agent ET, is hopping onto the internet to record these things over Zencaster. However, he's visiting Tucson right now, so he's here in my home. Yes, I am in the same room with Six Button Samurai for the first time in OG. I-S, or O-G-I-H, sorry, <laughs> I can't spell, O-G-I-H history. Woo! Uh, the jet lag is uh, still here, I guess. I've been here for about 10, 11 days. <laughs> it's okay. But I'm having fun. Yeah. No, it's uh, been uh, it's been great having you back here in the States, Sir Ed. Yeah. Um, five years. It's been five years. Yeah. That's a long time. Yeah. COVID and everything kind of threw everything. Yep, for a loop. Mm-hmm. But it's great to see uh, James and the boys. Uh, you know, guys from Tucson. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. Uh, obviously, this is the time of year when everybody drops their sort of year in review, and we've just been hanging out rather than piling up like our usual laundry list of issues to touch base on. So, I think this is going to be like a super casual convo about like our year in gaming, what we liked, what maybe we didn't like, what we hope to maybe continue playing through if we haven't finished yet. Um, Eddie, let's get started with uh, what did you love or not love or not get to spend enough time with in 2023? Well, uh, I love the, uh, um, uh, the Shadow of the Ninja remake announcement, which, uh, well, I don't know if it was last year or this year, but they showed more pictures and even a video of it. Right. And I'm super excited to play that because uh, Natsume Atari has done a great job. Right. Not rebooting, but I, I guess it's like, you know. Uh, it's, it's. Uh, how would you say it? It's so funny because there's, there's such a debate about the use of reboot versus remake. I think on the video games and remake is more appropriate because it's not, especially for a lot of these things, particularly from the vantage point of all the Tango project games. Like it's not like any of those are franchises that they're looking to restart. They're basically just taking these, stellar examples of these Natsume games and giving them some brand new visual life while still retaining what made them great from a gameplay standpoint or even enhancing them. Yeah. And in this case, I mean, it's a NES game that's becoming like a faux 16 bit game that looks incredible. And right. It's in 16, nine ratio and, it has a lot of power-ups that it looks like, it, uh, you know, everything's brand new. And I'm looking forward to playing that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, you and I talked about this a little bit. We're like, Pocky and Rocky and the Ninja Warriors. Like, all of those games were pretty damn solid games to begin with. Wild Guns. Yeah. You know, um, 
I having actually tried Shadow of the Ninja back in the day, like it was a good and interesting NES game, but like probably not up to the standards of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, I mean, some at least in terms would, of intensity. Some people would say, like, no, no, it's a great game. What are you talking about? I've, heard, I've had a few debates with people about it. And Shadow of the Ninja, I was playing it on Nintendo Switch Online, and it's, a, it's, a good, it's an okay game. I, I couldn't get into it as much as Ninja, Ninja Gaiden, but I definitely want to keep playing it until the remake comes out to kind of get a good base on how that game is in general. I mean, initially... It's okay, but there's some things that kind of feel lacking compared to like a game like Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, so like I'm trying to keep an open mind about it because I've been absolutely floored with all of Tango Project's output so far. So I think I'm just going in with an open mind, like having an original game that's maybe not as good as some of the other remakes that they've started with. Like, frankly, it just gives them more room to add more things or create better gameplay out of whatever shell was there. And uh, this is their biggest challenge because it looks like they're redoing a lot more than they usually would. Yeah, it's even more of an overhaul for it, really. Yeah, Um, exactly. And, you know, the original guys that worked on the original game, uh, they're working on this one, so that's always a huge plus mm-hmm. so i'm excited for that how about you james um on the news front mm-hmm. um obviously still very interested to see where things land in 2024 i mean obviously the biggest question going into the year is what happens with nintendo's new hardware and yeah. where that's going to go um yeah i know a lot of us like it's a it's a very strange thing because it feels like for many of us this should be a no-brainer on paper right like of course the form factor is super ideal Mm -hmm. people love being able to play it either docked or portably um so you would think like well just do that but with more horsepower, right? And keep backwards compatibility. Yes. But there's been rumors that have gone like in every conceivable direction thus far and not a lot of clarity because Nintendo is typically the most tight-lipped before they're actually going to spill the beans. Yeah. So I think that is like the looming what will it be thing that will most affect the gaming landscape going into 2024. I just don't want it to be another DS because people were pointing out a patent that they re, uh, well, they didn't redo it, but they showed something that looked like a DS. And yeah. some people speculated that could be the Switch 2, which, I mean, yeah, it's cool to have dual screens, but that also takes away a lot of horsepower. Right. So I don't know about that. I, I hope they don't overthink things and try to be too creative and try to force like uh, gimmicks over practical gameplay and, you know, just a solid hardware uh, system that just, you know, is like I, I keep saying, like they just need to beef it up. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing that I've been thinking about um, 
because naturally, like, you know, the genesis of the Switch has everything to do with Nintendo's, you know, domination of the handheld market and their long history of portable gaming machines. And I was thinking about, like, well, I mean, they're always sort of striving for some sort of, like, added sociability or, you know, uh, you think about the whole thrust with Wii and it was just, like, making games super accessible for people that maybe don't play video games on a regular basis. Um, And I was trying to think, like, well, shit, like, maybe, like... If they're going to do some sort of wrinkle that sets it apart, because Nintendo always seems very insistent on doing something like that, you know, maybe the thing just happens to have added horsepower, but also has like a camera. Maybe they do something in the realm of like augmented reality, because that's a big thing of theirs. They did it with the 3DS. Right. And it was kind of cool, but uh, it didn't have enough horsepower to really uh, make any games that really, really made it sing. Right. So, I mean, that could actually be a way of bridging those two ideas, where if this finally has the horses to do something yeah. genuinely interesting in the realm of augmented reality, yeah, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Like, it's... Uh, it's such a it's, it's such a like a like a source of dread for a lot of Nintendo fans because yeah. they feel like it's all within their grasp if they just choose to do the right thing here. I, I'd rather they s- stick with uh, making the Switch to like more solid a more solid Switch because the camera. As much as I like the 3ds 3D camera, it's mm-hmm. really cool. You could do a lot of cool stuff, and I love the 3D effects. I think that with the camera, it ups the uh, cost, production cost, and you can yeah, we'll see. Yeah, you know, making the hardware yeah better. And I think, yeah, I, it's, it's, it's like I'm on eggs eggshells right now. <laughs> I'm dying to see what it is, but at the same time, I'm afraid to see what it really is because you know, uh, it, it's history, right? It, it, it's it's common history with Nintendo. They do something to yeah, to screw up something. They're, they're masters of introducing the thing that yeah. nobody really asked for. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like some people hate Star Fox Zero because I heard that this, the, the second camera or like using the uh, Wii U pad. The gyro controls? Yeah, people yeah. hated that. Right. But some people like it. Yeah, but it's not the majority. <laughs> no, I mean clearly like I think if you want to talk about a franchise like a big franchise of theirs that's been dying on the vine for a while, like yeah. Star Fox is really overdue for some sort of like I'm not even going to I'm not going to bring up F0 in this conversation anymore yeah, because yeah. it's a dead horse. It's still a minor miracle that we even got F099. Yeah, I'd like to think that what seems to be a modicum of success for that game may pretend more, but I'm also not going to hold my breath either. Yeah, it's a big, I guess, a big question mark. What's going to launch with the Switch 2? Right. comes out, and I hope it's something big. I hope it's not sparse, because, I mean, a, a Mario game would be nice. I think... Uh, 
update to well not Odyssey update but like something in the vein of Mario Odyssey but even more impressive in terms of graphics and exploration would be fun to have right? it, well it's interesting to think about where we're at with the cycles with those games because like yeah. we just got a brand new Super Mario Brothers yeah we just got a long awaited Zelda sequel yeah. which we're going to wind up talking more about when we get deep into 2023. Yep. Um, but on the whole, I actually think as a launch title, even though they don't give away pack-ins anymore, sad to say, mm-hmm. um, if they come out with a really hot Mario Kart 9, yep. that will do everything they need it to do. Yeah. In the context of the market. Exactly. <laughs> I think people are starting for it, but at the same time, I'm sure they're, oh, I mean, geez, the sales speak for itself. They're pretty content with what's there right now, but it'd be nice to have a cart nine that would blow the doors down. Yeah. Make it so like, wow, I really need the switch too. And that's what they need off the bat. So yeah. It'll be interesting. Hopefully it's not one, two, Double switch. <laughs> that, that's not going to be a good launch title. Yeah. But no, it'd be great to see Mario Kart. Star Fox would absolutely be like a, cur- a bit of a curveball, but I think it's still something that could warrant a lot of mass interest. People have love for that game. And a nice surprise, you know? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? But just <laughs> don't overthink. Nintendo. <laughs> just give us more Switch. That's what we want. It's just like watching a high fly ball sail into right field, and we know that the right fielder is just a little bit, yeah, <laughs> a little you know, bit shaky. <laughs> you know, sometimes we'll have like a little synapse, and <laughs> just don't lose it in the lights, man. <laughs> yeah, he's not the most most clutch person. Just catch the damn ball. No, just, just <laughs> Just take it and run with it. That's all you got to do, buddy. We're actually, uh, we have Ninja Baseball Batman running on the mister in the background here as we talk. So that's probably why the, yes. the baseball metaphor came. Uh, yeah. I'm so impressed with this mister. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I don't see it very often because, you know, in Japan, mister is not a big thing. But to see it working, like, in, like cl- up close and personal, like, the scan lines are definitely... Delicious and uh, yeah, it's uh, very impressive. Uh, we played a Pac-Man Championship Edition on it, <laughs> and uh, I, uh, got some high scores on that now. I love that in the midst of all this modern gaming hardware, like we could have played pretty much anything, and we wound up playing more uh, Pac-Man Champ Ed uh, than anything else. It's just, just fun. Yeah, beating each other's. Scores. It's a glorious game to walk to to play, and then watch someone else play immediately because like, I don't know, like uh, the vicarious thrill of like thinking, you know what someone's going to do and then not like there's not, I don't feel like there's a lot of games that really work in that exact same way anymore. But like I could watch somebody else play like Pac-Man CE or Tetris all day long. Just be like, is he going to, Oh, you put that there. Why? Oh, oh, kind of thing. So, it's yeah. It's always an interesting thing to yeah. Just have see happen. how someone plays. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, it's just like old times. Just like, you know. Eddie presently has the highest score among us both, not yeah. just on this machine now, but also at home where he's cracked 500K. Yeah. And I'm realizing now that, like, my um, my ghost death mission <laughs> may not be the path. Yes. Like, J- James is uh, very obsessed with eating all the ghosts, and I tell him it's more important to clear the boards. Yep. And if the ghosts are in a convenient uh, area, then you can eat them. Right. Don't try to eat all four each time you clear a board. Yeah. You're going to end up getting trapped by the ghosts eventually. Yeah, so someday I'll learn to stop being a hooligan <laughs> and uh, chasing them. But it's such a fun game. Yeah. I, I hope uh, James, James will uh, achieve his 2024 resolution and beat the game. And Well, I shouldn't say beat the game, but beat 500K or more. That's all I want. If I score more than 500K, I'm done with it. I know that you've <laughs> now got tired. a goal of cracking 600K because it is possible. Yeah, I'm at 50, uh, 560,000. <laughs> So it's within reach, but you got to have a near perfect game to do 600K. And it gets very, very hard to yes. achieve that given it's how fast crazy. it begins to move. Um, is there like a known perfect game? Mm, I don't think so because it's not like there's a kill screen or anything like right. that. I mean, the game is so good in terms of like, even if you move a slight hair, like in a different direction, all the patterns change. And that's why the, this game's beautiful. So I don't even know if there could be a perfect game, but I know that if you have a high score, there is always a possibility you can get a higher score. It's just you got to be more perfect than before. Right. If that makes sense. Right. <laughs> it's that alignment of your performance and whatever the game happens to dish you. Yep. That particular time. Exactly. Which is the great thing that, like, you know, that was the problem with original Pac-Man for a really long time, was that it had been completely sussed out. Perfect games had been achieved. And yeah. so it was kind of boring after that because it's just, well, you learn these patterns and then... Yeah. Not to say that those things are easy by a stretch of the imagination. They're certainly not. But no. it makes it far less exciting and dynamic and a fair when... Yeah. You know, there are patterns and... That's why Pac-Man CE is the best. The, yeah. the eight-bit demake of it, I should make clear. Yeah, because I don't know how they made it so unpredictable. On supposedly you can play it on eight-bit hardware. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it's amazing. It's like I said, my favorite Pac-Man game ever, and possibly top three ever for me. And nice. you guys should try it. Yep. And Hoptimus, uh, hope you play it. I know he's listening. Yeah. You got to make break five hundred K too. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Frejo bought it. Yeah, maybe he has. Maybe he would buy it digitally, like if it popped up for cheap. He should. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was good to see all the guys. Yeah, like we have some a close knit group of friends, and got to see Godzilla minus one together. We got to play some video games together, like Street Fighter Six, and what else did we play? <laughs> I'll be it briefly. Yeah, Alpha <laughs> Two. Yeah. Uh, Rob stick broke down. <laughs> it just, man, I'm so leery of those damn brook converters. Yeah. like, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't love the idea of something that, like, you either keep up with the firmware or it stops working. Like, 
Well, that's kind of an inherently shitty proposition to me, but. But it looks like he had a joystick that he made himself. It didn't look like it had no markings of like where who made it. No, he made. I mean, he made that from like a custom like yeah case solution. And I don't think the problem is so much the stick itself. I think mm-hmm. it's mainly that damn adapter. Yeah, and of course, you know, none of the hardware manufacturers are making that easy these days. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. They seem so adamant on ball busting like arcade sticks. I sort of get in the Xbox around why they crack down on a variety of like input devices because like cheating is pretty rampant. Yeah. Especially with a lot of the FPS games and people using like hacked keyboards and mice and shit. But exactly, but (sighs) with fighting games, I don't know. I don't know. I mean the fighting game community knows that having your own joystick is or pad is very vital in yep. order to join tournaments, things like that. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully they get their act together and let that kind of either pass or come up with a solution where everyone can play. Yep. Uh, especially, and especially people with uh, uh, disabilities or uh, they have uh, struggles using a uh, regular controllers, things like that. They have to use those special controllers. Sometimes they're, home built or special uh built and if those don't work then yeah you're just killing out you know a way for someone to enjoy games when it's already hard for them for them already to play them so so no oddly enough shortly before you came back to the states is when uh the street fighter six cats finally appeared yes in your neck of the woods. so i know that you're looking forward to uh yeah. finally playing some more of the game yeah it it's a blessing but a curse as well because i mean as much as i want to play it like you know I, I don't know if i'll have that much time to keep going to the game centers and walk down a hundred yen a pop to to play it but you know i i would prefer that than uh playing uh at my messy home that I need to clean up, which I need to do once I get back. So <laughs> James knows uh, we used to live together and I was a mess of you. <laughs> you need a shovel to get to my bed. That's, well, that's all I got to say. You've come a long way, my friend. Uh, we're going to take a brief break so you can hear from some of our fellow cohorts here at the Ruminations Radio Network. You can check out our show and a litany of others that touch upon Gaming, cinema, horror, you name it, it's there. Check it all out at ruminationsradionetwork.com. We'll be right back. Hey, kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on the Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. Already. Wow. 2024 already. Wow. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh huh. So, getting deeper into the year that was, um, was, what was your highlight, man? What was the game that stood out above all others for you? Easily Tears of the Kingdom because um, it was more of Breath of the Wild, but. They changed a lot, like I said in the past, to make it even more uh, an, an enveloping type of experience. Like I said, 
the only drawback is uh, it doesn't really uh, help you out in certain parts of the game. Like it's very uh, uh, subtle in terms of giving you hints on what to do for certain quests. And also there's not much, I mean, you can try to beat the game uh, just by doing the main uh, quest things, but it's hard for me because I like to complete things. Of course. That's why I, I chose the path of trying to relax and play it and just go wherever and have fun. But it's so long. (laughs) Well, I think it should also be noted here that you're not just a completionist, meaning that a lot of times if you take an affinity for a particular game, you'll go for hundred percent usually with like the litany of collectibles or whatever. I don't know. Did you actually get all the Korok seats? Uh, for breath of the wild. No, like <laughs> seriously, it's <laughs> too many. <laughs> uh, uh, after the whole Skulucha uh, thing in Ocarina of Time, after that little debacle. Oh, after the Skulchulas. Uh, I don't care about collecting. But that's bullshit. Anymore. Yeah, I, I'd rather just worry about finding the temples than the Korok seeds. The Korok seeds can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're pooping. Literal poop. They're golden poop. I'm sorry to ruin that for you. But yes, they are poop. So don't even bother. But they are good to upgrade some certain... Uh, they do upgrade their, some some things. So it, they're sort of uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's some get all of them. You're just going to go crazy. That's all I have to say. But yes, that was a great experience. That is my game of 2023. Nice. And so, I mean, it continues to be a great experience for you since you haven't finished it yet. No, but it's still my game of the year. I plan to get back to it soon when I have time. And how many hours have you put in? Uh, easily 210. And that's as much as I did uh, Breath of the Wild. So I imagine it'll be another 100 hours, if not more. Yeah, four months straight. I played it until I... Had and what's, to... what's your ritual? I would... Uh, like, uh, sometimes I had to go to work. I didn't have much to do. And, you know, I did all my lesson planning because it was summer at the time. Or about, you know, like, I guess it was May. So I would come home from work uh, and then eat dinner, go to a cafe, play uh, Zelda for uh, at least an hour. Sometimes it would be seven hours if I had more time. And did that for four months straight until I ran out of time. Nice. But, yeah, I highly recommend it. Good game. Nice. And was there anything that dropped that you were like genuinely surprised by? Hmm. Or like just like unexpected joy? Suica game. I know it's dumb, <laughs> but that game is so fun because it's a simple puzzle game, but it releases stress. And I mean, you got to turn off the music, though, because it just plays on loop, but it's like one single song, and it's like, it'll drive you crazy. But um, the gameplay is fun, and uh, the goal is to get those watermelons, and I've done it like uh, three times now, and it's hard. Because, you know, you got to chain those fruits to make watermelons, and uh, I think you got to chain ten times or so to get a watermelon. And it's glorious, and that, but I haven't gotten two watermelons together. Mm. because that's the goal because when you get two watermelons together they disappear and it clears out a lot of space and you get tons of points 
So that's my next goal. And kind of like you with a 500K in Pac-Man CE, once I do that, it's over. <laughs> I retire. See, frankly, I'm a little bit surprised that Sleeka Game has had this kind of staying power with you because I know for many months you were quite enamored with Donut Dodo. Yes. That is another game I need to get back into. <laughs> I beat the game without dying, mm-hmm. but that was on the normal setting. So I have to get back to it on hard. So I gave myself a break. And yes, I highly recommend that game too. But uh, I thought that released last year uh, in 2022. Maybe. Yeah. It all blurs together. Yeah. But, but I'd also seen an article about it recently where they were talking about like, it's one of the best indie arcade games ever made, and I guess it's like stupid cheap right now. So you should get I think it. I'm, I'm going to pick it up. I don't have it yet. You should buy it. I will. Dude, get God. I'm so pushy. Chew me out. I know. I'm like being <laughs> pressure, man. That's what we Chew me out in my own home. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just walking in, struggling. Hey, you got to play this? You got to play that? Don't play that. Then, you know, just sit on this couch and put my feet up. On this coffee table? What, what kind of... Yes. Hurry up and play this, you piece of shit! <laughs> Go back to Japan! Uh, <laughs> he loves me. Remember that? Um, yeah, tell us about what impressed you. You know, the thing was, I was very, very sidetracked this year. There were a lot of purchases... But I was very into this whole, like, unfinished 16-bit business. And I got bitten by the Square JRPG bug. You sure did. Really, really, really bad. Because, like, I beat Super Mario RPG, the original, as a means of, like, preparing for the remake, which I have not acquired yet, Mm -hmm. but I want to. I know you picked it up, but you just, like, kind of got a game started. Yeah. You didn't really... Yeah. Find it yet. Because I need more time to play it. Like, right. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing about it is that, like, it's such a chill game mm-hmm. that, like, you can play that for stretches and just, like, grind for EXP because it's, uh, it's a very easy JRPG on, like, the grind scale. Like, you level up pretty quickly throughout the whole game. Um... But, like, yeah, Super Mario RPG, finally finished Chrono Trigger. Um, I'd been playing a lot through the Final Fantasy VI hack that has the uncensored uh, Ted Woolsey script in it and a lot of the content that was, like, tucked away for North American audiences. Yeah. So I've been enjoying the shit out of that. Right now, I'm just hunting down, like, the eight legendary dragons. And uh, didn't you play the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters? I did also. Like, I really went off on that particular tip. I finished the first Final Fantasy game. Then I began playing FF4 Mm -hmm. Pixel Remaster. Yeah. Which I also need to resume. So, I don't know. It's a very intensely, like... JRPG mood. Yeah, and uh, you also started playing Final Fantasy 16 with, and Hoptimus is doing that too. Right. I know Hoptimus is much further along than I am now at this point. 
But yeah. I also got sidetracked on PS5 because there were a number of the um, M2 Shot Triggers games that I began to acquire. So yes. I got bit by the shooter bug really gnarly. You also yes. brought me copies of the Rays Arcade Anthology yeah. and Pachi yeah. um, Resurrection. I did so. So my cup is running over right now between like... You know, the shooters are great as like a palate cleanser or like a, hey, I've got 30 or 40 minutes to kill sort of thing. Yeah. But I definitely need to get back to playing not only just Final Fantasy 16, but also um, Robocop Rogue City. Yeah. I which is also a good about, time. Yeah. That game, I <laughs> the story is pretty interesting and uh, quite good in terms of like uh, for Robocop fans that they want to capture like, uh, you know, the field of the movie I mm-hmm. think it's great in doing that and uh, i guess the voices the voice acting is it pretty good i don't know yeah i mean they've they've got uh i mean peter weller is back to voice robocop nice um the other characterizations are kind of all over the place in terms of quality but um i think the thing that the game does exceedingly well and i know that john lineman's talked about this a lot is that um there's a very interesting tone that's really only present with the first film. And it's sort of more in tune with like, it's, it's this balance between like satire and hyper violence. Yeah. And the interesting thing though, is that, you know, Robocop doesn't make for a great action hero in general because he's essentially just this walking tank. However, as a character for an FPS game, that actually works out pretty damn well. Really? Because he's a lot like Master Chief in that he can absorb a ton of damage Mm. and just keep trucking forward and taking out targets. So it's a fun game. It's definitely not like by any means, like the most polished thing you've ever seen, but it also makes some really interesting use of it's one of the, first like notable unreal engine five titles Mm -hmm. on console. That's actually doing a lot in terms of like that feature set and creating like realistic environments. But like it's all, it all still feels like, you know, a lot of times back in the day, if you played like a movie adaptation, like the things that video games had to pull from, from the movies were usually very sparse. So at some point, a game developer would have to just invent some shit whole cloth. Like you think about like super star Wars for the super NES. Yeah. And you had Luke like blasting little crab enemies and then like a crab boss that doesn't exist in the movie. Oh wait, is that the Famicom version? No, no, no. Super NES. Are you serious? Yeah. Cause I heard the Famicom version has like a Darth Vader turning to like a, I don't know lobster or something like that yeah there, well i mean there was weird shit in that one too but that basically like that's my whole point is that like movie translations for video games or video game translations of movies have always like it's a tough thing to really mine a lot from those things because you've usually got like very finite number of characters etc um but robocop manages to feel very much like everything you're experiencing in that game is just like an extrapolation 
that of that world that feels really, really plausible. Mm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to try it if I could. Yeah, they canceled the Switch version though. Well, I'd imagine that would be a very difficult. Uh, yeah, I don't blame them. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's probably impossible. Yeah, yeah, someday. <laughs> but, uh, was there anything you hated in 2023? Um, you know, there was. I think I reviewed uh, last year's episode, like the end of year episode, mm-hmm. and we talked about NFTs. Yeah, and I hope they were gonna die. That, that's what I said, and sure enough, it's become. I wouldn't say a thing of the past, but it's being talked about less and less. Right. But then now the uh, emergence of AI, generated AI, that's another buzzword that I'm not really too fond of, especially as an artist or, you know, I've studied art, I've done art projects, I've Mm -hmm. done artistic projects for other people. Yeah. And I don't agree with how generative AI is done to not only take away the jobs of creatives, but also to, I don't know, it lacks the human spirit. I mean, right. tell when something is not there, like it's kind of soulless. And uh, I, I think, did you read recently about Xbox tried to uh, celebrate like an indie game? Like, I don't know, they had like some sort of... They used a piece of AI-generated artwork. Yes. yes. And it was like a winter scene. Yes. And then people noticed, like, oh, why is this guy? Yeah. This well, it's, it's, it's interesting that, like, in less than the space of a year, mm-hmm. people are already getting really sick of that aesthetic because it feels very telltale. Yeah. When somebody uses AI for something like that, like it just, it's got that plasticky type of like overdone. It's how I used to feel every time I saw any sort of like mobile game. Yeah. And just the way the artwork is sort of churned out for that. Yeah. But to an even worse degree. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's fascinating too. Cause I mean, I, I work in social media and there's, a lot of talk about use for use of AI for those things. And I think, you know, everybody would love to save some time. And I can imagine that even within the games industry, there has to be ways of using that stuff that can basically kill the drudge work. And there has been. Yeah. I mean, do you know a game, a series called broken sword? I've heard of it. I've never... Uh, It's like a... I don't know if it's a true point-and-click adventure, but if you think of a King's Quest game, that's how Broken Sword is. It's like an adventure game. You pick up stuff, you try to find and solve... find things, solve puzzles, whatnot. Mm -hmm. Um, That group... uh, And I I, I mistakenly did this on Twitter. Like I (laughs) I was like, oh my god, they're using AI! Oh my god! It's the devil! Uh What they were using AI for was uh, art that they had done in the past. Mm. trying to uh, use AI to clean it up. And okay. then they would use their own artists to kind of touch it up. And I think that's okay because that's their own art. Right. And then they're using AI to upsample it. Yeah, I mean, if you don't want to sit there and, like, pick the nits out of some enormous file or whatever, and there's, yeah. like, an easy tool that you can use to clean something up, by all means. Yeah. I think what people are already very wary of is 
you know, functionally, these tools cannot be authors of things. Exactly. And we've already had some very early legal rulings that state pretty clearly that, like, you cannot credit a an artistic work to something that is scraping existing works exactly. <laughs> and reformulating them. Like, there, there has to be a human being involved. And I think that's my big counter-argument to a lot of people are just like, oh, well... You know, you, you see these people on LinkedIn all the time. They're just like, you can create 30 days of content in 30 minutes by just using this, these prompts. Da, 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 yeah, da. and people feel proud that, oh, I did this. And right. like, you did nothing. You clicked the button. Right. You fed it, you fed it some prompts. Yeah. And the thing is, people more than ever, like, especially on most social media channels where, like, the brand fatigue is already enormous, like, mm-hmm. People want to see fingerprints on things. They want to feel authorship. They want voices. Mm-hmm. They want to connect emotionally to things. Yeah. And that's really going to be like the thing that keeps all of this on the up and up because there's going to be an enormous ocean of shitty content generated mm-hmm. by way of generative AI. Yep. And people are already getting immune to that aesthetic. Good. Like, yeah. you know, a year ago, people were like, oh, look how cool this is. This thing made it. And now people are just like, okay, I can tell it was AI I did it. It's got like six fingers it, it might have or something. three. Yeah. See, you know, the good that comes out of it is people are becoming more artistically aware of like, okay, that doesn't work. That you don't have this hand going this way. Right. And it's actually educating them. Yeah. Because they want to pick out like the fakes Mm -hmm. and that's good. Yeah. So maybe it's a good thing, but I hope people don't continue to exploit it because unfortunately there was like a Tekken contest, uh, the fighting game Tekken and somebody submitted an AI artwork and people were like, no, check out all this stuff and this and this, it doesn't, it doesn't do this. Like whatever he did or she did, did, it doesn't, it's not possible. Right. And then, He's like, well, I, I have some sketches and I have a, you know, time lapse video, but no, he couldn't do right. it. So he got disqualified. Yeah. So I mean, that, that's the thing. It's like people <laughs> yeah. are hungrier than ever for just connection and wanting human voices and different voices and just things that yeah. resonate with their own experience and, you know, that whole school of thought that says that you can farm these things out, I think is gravely mistaken. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> at this point, like you, uh, oddly enough, even voices yeah. are being AI generated. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's terrible. Yeah. You know, I mean, especially against someone's will. Well, I mean, we know like it was a big old headline when, uh, it was revealed that, you know, James Earl Jones had basically given his permission to be, sampled but that's his choice infinitely i mean yeah that is the big difference is that he's alive and he chose to make that choice whereas we don't know if peter cushing would have actually been willing to yeah play along with that i mean his estate was cool with his likeness being mm-hmm. computer generated for rogue one but yeah he was uh what character was peter who's grand moff tarkin yeah 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 i remember that mm-hmm. yeah. so <laughs> gotta respect the artist 
Yeah. You do. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I think if you use those tools in a way that makes your process more efficient on the back end, mm-hmm. you know, whether you've got to produce a bunch of things, etc. If it's a time save, great. If it's something that is really tangible in the final product, yeah, or that which is visible or you know comprises the actual resulting artwork itself, not so good. <laughs> yeah. So we just gotta be careful. Yeah. From here on out. Hopefully more responsibility will be taken and well, now, you know, there was a, another big news story when they, it was revealed that the New York Times is suing OpenAI. They should. For, I mean, you know, the obvious scraping of yeah. much of their content for yeah. OpenAI's output. And it's like, well, yeah, how, how, can you, how can you sample that en masse and then yeah. regurgitate that and then sell that as... yeah an original product. Like, like that's like, kind of crazy. Did you read the threads on, uh, X Twitter saying like, uh, some people at mid journey, the, one of the, uh, people that made that engine, the AI engine, mm-hmm. they were talking about, Oh, we're going to take this person's art, this person's art categories did. And, uh, is, is messing. People saw that and they're up in arms. Yeah. I don't know if it, if it's hundred percent true or not, but it seemed true. Right. I mean, I can imagine that's what's going on when they make these meetings about, Hey, let's make this a program that takes, you know, what if you take Sam Liu's art, who's a very popular artist that draws a little bit of anime stuff and mix it with uh, people from wizards of the coast and, Oh, you get some nice art. And yeah, our, our AI right. generator can do that. Yeah. And then, yeah, it just kind of makes things more like uh, categories instead of like, yeah, it's, it's nope. terrible. Pay the fucking artist, man. Exactly. <laughs> Especially that Xbox snafu with the... It's a whole ironic. It's an indie gamer thing. They're trying to celebrate, and right. then they go make an AI-generated artwork for it. Well, that in particular seems like the kind of like tone-deaf foul that Microsoft seems to have a magical pension for. And they're pushing it. Right. And sadly enough, I read another thread that Square Enix announced they want to push generated AI. Yeah, I mean, again, like, it wasn't... I don't know. It wasn't the clearest thing in the world as to, like, how they plan to use it. Um, You know, again, like, game development is incredibly laborious, and it takes a lot of fucking people to do it. Mm -hmm. And if you can do things that manage to shorten the distance between the artist's doing their work and the final product. Yeah. Great. Yeah. If you're doing things to actually replace those artists. Terrible. That's where we get into the, this is not good. Why the fuck are we like, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it was ever anybody's dream that like, you know, the robots would wind up being the artists with all the time on their hands. You know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the drudge work, mm-hmm. like uh, stuff that a, a robot or yeah. a computer can do. That's not artistic. Leave it to yeah. the, uh, the AI for that. But when it comes to artistic things, things that come from the heart, leave it to us. 
Yeah. Uh, otherwise, we're going to be an artless society. I, I, I'm sorry to say, but it's just the depreciation of art is very scary nowadays. Yep. Um, but yeah, pay your artists like like you said. Pay your artists. Appreciate your artists. Yes. Ah. <sighs> um, well, Ed, it was uh, damn good to record one of these with you here. Yes, and your cats. Live in the flesh. With your cats. With the cats bouncing around, doing their thing. Yeah, yeah. two cats. Uh, Rufus and uh, 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 Cecil. Mm-hmm. They're very cute cats, but uh, they, they're, they, when I tried to pet them, they run away. It makes me sad. I, I love cats. <laughs> but I got to re- be real patient with them. Yep. I'm only here until tomorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I leave to LA and then leave on the 6th of January. <laughs> hopefully they'll remember me when I come back. Hopefully soon. Yeah. Hopefully it won't be another five years. <laughs> nah, I doubt it will be. But it's it was great hanging out with you. I mean, we had some good times. Oh, yeah. And uh, maybe we'll talk about Godzilla Minus One on uh, Optimus's. Yeah, we wanna. we actually saw that with Optimus here. Yeah. Along with another friend of mine, and uh, I think we're going to wind up talking about that on a retro futurist culture. So, if you listen to that podcast as well, keep an eye out for that because we, I'd imagine, we've got a lot to say about Godzilla minus one. So good, yeah. You watch it if you haven't. Should have watched it. Should have watched. Should have watched, watched it. it. <laughs> Home star runner, and he rules. Uh, at any rate, uh, thanks to everybody out there for. Uh, Lending us your ears for another hour of Oh God, It Hurts shenanigans. Um, We'll be very excited to connect with you on our next episode. Goodbye. Happy New Year. Goodbye. Happy 2024, y'all. Peace. Later.